to Spark Your Fire Podcast. Content discussed on this podcast is general in nature. Please seek specific advice from qualified professionals. Now, let's start with the quote of the week. Again, you can't connect the dots looking forward. You can only connect them looking backwards. So you have to trust that the dots will somehow connect in your future. You have to trust in something, your gut, destiny, life, karma, whatever. Because believing that the dots will connect down the road will give you the confidence to follow your heart even when it leads you off the well-worn path. And that will make all the difference. G'day listeners, welcome back to another Friday wrap. Always, always good to have a short week. I've got to say, I love four-day working week, um, even though it never felt four-day, to be honest. Um, but hope you all had a wonderful Easter. I'm sure that uh, our friends here do. Jazz and John, welcome back. The crew's back. Hey, David, good to be back. Happy Friday to you all. And Jazz, mate, you've recovered. Where did you go last week? Come on. <laughs> you don't need to be shy. I reckon you ended up somewhere in Bahamas, right? <laughs> that's, a, that's a little secret. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's because you went on to your gold mining, your next destination. That's why they want to tell us. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> <laughs> nah, good to have you back, mate, as always. Uh, but it's good. Look, uh, another week of uh, property, another week uh, that never gets boring, um, I should say, about about uh, uh, in, in the property market. The news is slightly uh, light in terms of the sweep because of the Easter holiday. So um, I think the main topic that we will cover later on today is uh, we'll we'll put our brains together and uh, put out a few tips for uh, anyone who's currently wanting to purchase. What are the common mistakes that people can make during a booming market or investors can make during a booming market? So so we'll cover that uh, in the later part of the episode. But uh, for the time being, you know, we'll quickly run through some of the key headlines that has happened this week. Uh, one of them being that uh, the investors' uh, loan numbers are starting to come back in. So, you know, I think this is from Property Update. Uh, we've got some data here. Uh, John, I reckon you're probably the best amongst us to give our data summary. Um, is it okay if I hand it over to you to give us a, a concise summary? Yeah, yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. So, so, you know, one of the things that's been absent from this boom is has been that there aren't any investors. It's been very much an owner-occupier and a first-home buyer um, increase in investors. And this is very much by design. You know, if we re- rewind back to 2016-17 when APRA intervened, they intervened because there were too many investors and not enough owner-occupiers. And so investors were crowding out people looking to buy their first home. So the interest market changed. It's it's more expensive if you're an investor and less expensive if you're an owner-occupier and so on. And this has played has played out in the markets. Uh, so very much owner-occupier demand has been driving the the market up until now. Uh, there's been there was a really interesting increase in um, in investor participation. So investors uh, grew by about five percent in. March, but it dec- but the owner occupied demand for finance uh, decreased by about one and a half percent. So investors are closing the gap. Um, in investor activity is actually around now where it was in about two thousand and eighteen. <clears throat> so things were a bit flat in two thousand and eighteen. So that's certainly, you know, it, it, you know that that's not a, a great number, but it is it is the highest it's been in about two and a half to three years. So investors are, investors are coming back. I expected investor growth will continue. 
Now, the reason this is interesting is because um, APRA are currently sitting on their hands. There's a lot of talk about what's going to put the fire out. You know, are, are interest rates going to go up or is APRA going to come in and regulate the, the early stages of this boom? And one of the uh, KPIs that APRA have given us, uh, given themselves really, is so they're not going to intervene until they see investor activity up to 30% of the market. And investors are about 21% of the market at the moment. So, so if anyone's wondering whether or not there's going to be regulation, it's not going to be yet. But watching the, the amount of investor activity is going to be key to knowing if they, if they get involved. So investors are, investors are back, but they're still the smallest part of the market. If it continues to grow and it gets to 30%, APRA will, will probably intervene. What do you guys think? I am with John. I think I think he's spot on on this. And in fact, I was reading an article yesterday that talked about if the things just keep going at the pace they are, which uh, to a lot of the economists won't surprise, just because the interest rates are low, assessment criteria are easy, that we can see a gain of anywhere between 30 to 40% just this year, right? And if that was to happen, and on the on top of that, if you think about the investor activity, if that shoots up as well, I think there's a there's a high possibility that it can happen that APRA or uh, less less likely RBI, but more like APRA will intervene. I think. So, so when you say thirty percent, do you mean what what what's thirty percent? The price growth. The price growth. Wow. Yeah. There was an article yesterday uh, published by Roger Montgomery, which talked about that there's a possibility that the prices. Uh, can rise up to 30-40% by end of this year. It's a possibility. It's a, What's the probability? Uh, we don't know. Uh, but put it this way, the price growth that we have seen so far this year has, it has been a recovery from the 2017's high. So we're back to that all-time high of 2016-17. So when we keep that in mind, we really haven't seen any growth yet. So people who bought in late 2016 or 17 kind of thing, they would have obviously uh, uh, lost some money on paper. I mean, they would have lost money or if they sold, they would have lost money. So it's only just now that they are out of the water, out of the woods and back in the game, basically. So uh, it, the article didn't surprise me, but What's the likelihood of that happening is the question. And if it does, then back to your point, John. Uh, it's very likely we'll see some intervention. Yeah. Roger thinks it's 30 to 40%, is it? Correct. If, if it's without, regula if, without regulators stepping in, yeah. basically. It, his point is basically if the growth continues at the pace at which it is, and it's uh, there's a high likelihood that that can happen, then we'll see that kind of numbers towards the end of the year. How sustainable would that be in terms of a Sydney and Melbourne market, though? I mean, hypothetically, we know that you know people's borrowing capacity are still limited to a degree. Yes, it's easier to borrow, but you can't just gonna take you can't just go and get take what fifty k extra out for no reason, right? So, um, I I don't know. I'm just thinking out aloud. It's possible if it's kind of like markets can adjust quickly when they've been previously manipulated or previously suppressed. So what we talked about last week was kind of what Andrew Wilson, Dr. Andrew Wilson's been saying, and that mm. is something along the lines of the reason there's such a big catch up now is because between 17 and 20, 2017 and 2020, uh, APRA suppressed prices artificially by, by sort of contriving 
lending lending standards and so it was sort of like a beach ball being held under the water it kind of just adjusts up and then it goes sideways that that would be the the argument and the i think where 30 percent comes from is that um the markets did i think seven percent in the last quarter and seven times four is 28 <laughs> so you're at you're at you're at 30 percent i suspect it's possible for houses but i don't think for the median price of dwellings if you start to include units mm. that, that wouldn't be realistic 40% would be an absolute amazing number, to be honest. But, uh, you know, I think, um, I just don't know. I, I think we have to watch this market carefully in the next couple of months because I, I have a feeling that people are starting to stretch themselves and stretching themselves a bit too far. How much more they can stretch themselves. And, dip, and again, I'm generalizing here, depending on what market we're looking at, right? Like, you know, the, the market I was fighting over was probably the hottest out of the hottest, you know, towards the North Shore, towards the, the hills, that kind of area, which prices would would have some areas, you know, it would have already gone up 20, 30% just in the last couple of months. So that's not a normal growth as per se for in comparison to say rest of Sydney. You know, I think if we're looking at Western, if we're looking at Southern, if we're looking at other parts of Sydney, it might be not as crazy. It may have already gone up 10, 20%, just depends on the amount of competition. Um, so, you know, uh, yeah, so I, I don't know. I, I think that, but from borrowing capacity perspective, you know, I certainly know that being a mortgage broker myself, you're not going to be able to just pull 50K out from nowhere, <laughs> despite the fact that the clients comes back to me and say, can I stretch myself a bit more? Can I stretch myself a bit more? Well, unfortunately, there's only a limit in, in terms of cap that you can go up to um, without changing your personal circumstances without increasing your income, you know, because at the end of the day, it's a finance game, you know, how much income minus how much living expenses and liabilities you have is how much you can service or how much you can borrow for additionally. So put it, put it this way, we are almost in mid of April, right? So there's only so many more months left to go. And we haven't seen really any slowdown so far in the numbers. Mm. Now, when you take that into account, an article like that uh, being that bullish doesn't surprise, right? So there's only so many months left and the pace continues and there's no real uh, talk or even forget no real talk. There is no talk at all at this point of any intervention, right? So, um, so we'll see, I guess. <laughs> You know, one of the I, I agree. I don't think they're going to intervene this year, and I, I think they're going to watch it and and all that sort of stuff. But when you when you sort of take a step back and you look at averages for real estate, um, it, it peaked in two thousand seventeen, and we're about four percent higher than we were in two thousand seventeen. But the momentum is to up. So you know, let's say let's say we're four percent higher than two thousand seventeen, which means that the um, the combined annual growth rate over the last four years is one percent per year. Mm. Right. So they're not going to jump at that. And I realize it's kind of looking at it in a very forgiving way, but 1% per year uh, growth rate over the last four years is nothing. It's, it's, it's terrible, in fact. So when that average is out to 7% and they're going to need some double-digit growth for the next sort of two or three years, and then they'll look at what the combined average growth rate is over the last couple of years, that's when they'll, that's when they're, they'll in, inter, intervene uh, average growth rates over the last couple of years have been so bad. Um, it's just that if you look at 12 months, it's looking really good. Or if you look at, you know, very short time periods, like the growth rate over six months or one quarter, it's very, very high. If you look at it and you start to extend your time for, uh, horizon, if you say, what, what's the what's the growth rate over one year? Well, the growth rate over one year is probably 5%. 
growth rate over two years is probably 4%. Do you know what I mean? Like, So you extend the time period and it starts to get a lot less scary. Yeah, you did mention a good point about intervention, and I think that kind of leads to another news about this week. RBA has made their announcements cash rate decision for the month of April, and no surprise to everyone, it's still held at 0.1%, like what... Um, uh, RBA has already announced previously and Dr. Phil Lowe has uh, uh, basically indicated that for the next two to three years, cash rate is unlikely to go up unless obviously there's inflation, there's wage growth, et cetera, et cetera. But um, he did mention that uh, the central bank will continue to monitor trends in house borrowing carefully. Okay, carefully, given that the house prices have risen in most markets, adding that it is important that lending standards are maintained. So, you know, I think the it depends on the interpretation, but I know some of the commentators already started putting the focus on, okay, well, the fact that he says carefully means, you know, it's a very different word to what he was using during the last cash rate decision. Um, you know, it, it kind of indicates that, Yes, it's probably growing faster than what the RBA or the house price is currently growing faster than what the RBA is expecting. However, at this point in time, there is no um, risky lending or the lending standards have not deteriorated. And as such, um, you know, they are not yet going to step in. However, if that does look like it's going to change and there's going to be risky lending, like what you were saying previously, John, you know, when investors coming in with a whole heap of investor interest only loans, um, I think at the peak beforehand when APRA stepped in, that was about, what, 40% off interest-only loans from memory, something along that line. Um, then obviously at that point in time, they're going to step in. Or there's a lot of 90% or above 90% LVR lendings. That's also kind of high-risk high lending standards. So um, that's that's the way I, I basically look at it. You know, there, there seems to be a change uh, depending on your interpretation again, um, seems to be a change in terms of how RBN and APRA is going to look at it. Um, we don't know at this point. There's no clear indication whatsoever. Um, but watch your space. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, yeah. Yeah. On the RBA thing, again, it's interesting. I, I look, uh, there were no surprises. It didn't move the market. No one thought that they would move. And they've been very, very good and consistent about flagging their intentions. The forward guidance has been very, very consistent. Mm-hmm. Um, there was a comment we made a couple of weeks ago that, and I, I really believe that the, the RBA is trying to hide inflation by allowing the real estate market to run. And the analogy would be getting a two-litre bottle of Coke and shaking it up. That's what money printing is. It's like the money is bursting to get out of the system, but it doesn't know where to go. And the RBA has to kind of loosen the the the, the cap. cap. It's got to let some, some of the gas out, but it, it wants to let it out in places that won't end up in the CPI. So they let it out into the oil price and the, the real estate market and places like that. So th- this is this is a way that you can release all the pressure that the money printing and the low interest rates um, creates, all that pressure, without. But you can still say inflation's low. There's no there's no inflation. Look at the CPI. Well, there's loads of inflation. It's just going into things that are captured by the CPI. So targeted areas, and, isn't it? Not captured by CPI. Yeah, basically. they're gonna they're gonna let it run in in places like real estate because it hides the inflation. 
I think part of that is also to do with, with the wealth effect that I think they've been mm. wanting people to, to feel right because they want people to spend to stimulate the economy. So, um, and that was primary factor why they're printing so much money as well. So, um, yeah, suspect they're going to let it run for a bit longer um, so that the wealth effect kicks in and people are more willing to spend. Um, and um, and then uh, if, if the lending standard does take a turn, then I guess that's when they're going to start typing up the cap again. Mm-hmm. Guys, any thoughts? Uh, pretty much what you guys said, to be honest. Oh, good. All right. Well, uh, look, you know, so that's probably the two key uh, news headlines for this week uh, that we want to cover. It is a shorter week, so not a lot of exciting news. Um, but look, you know, to add value to our listeners this week before we'll uh, touch on, put our free top brains together as much as we can and, uh, and give our listeners a bit of, um, I guess, thoughts on, what are the common mistakes that an investor could make in purchasing an investment property during a boom cycle or boom market like now? So I would say, how about we do this? We'll, we'll, we'll each pick one, uh, you know, take one out um, and, then, and then we'll contribute and then we'll discuss on that basis. Mm-hmm. By the way, by the way, listeners, there's no, there's no script whatsoever. Just so everyone knows, this is straight away. <laughs> we're straight into it, and I can see John is madling, scribbling around with his pads, and <laughs> he's got like each of them. And Jazz is thinking deeply at the moment. So I'm not gonna take. I'm gonna. I'm gonna take the last one, um, just so that I can give you guys a bit, uh, a bit of time. So who would like to go first? So the first thing that came to mind was FOMO. Yes. Yeah. Um, when the market's running hot, it's like it's never going to stop. Um, and it is running hot, hot at the moment. We just discussed uh, the kind of bullish articles that are out there. Mm. Um, so I think FOMO is the one that can really kill the investors in terms of either overpaying or buying at the right place at the wrong time or um, just rushing into without doing proper checks. Because when the market is running this hot, people... Investors don't get that much time to think or buyers don't get that much time to think, essentially. So you're really on your toes uh, to make the call. Um, and uh, yeah, I think FOMO is the big one for me. Oh, that is absolutely true on the ground at the moment. I think you know all of us are seeing it at auctions, are seeing it when you talk to real estate agents, et cetera. Um, but yeah, fear of missing out, FOMO is definitely on the ground uh, at the moment, even in Brisbane. I think, you know, like I'm, I'm hearing that, um, a lot of offers on upon first open, um, and then they want multiple offers, put it in in the next couple of days, and then it's sold within a few days. Same thing, which I think our Brisbane, Brisbane Knights has never seen anything like that before, that much of competition, because Brisbane traditionally is not an auction market. Um, so this to them is basically a bit of like a, was a Dutch auction <laughs> to a degree. Put, it, put in your best offer and then, uh, and then see who's, who's going to win on that. But yeah, I think investors need to be careful about the current market just because it is hot at the moment. Um, you know, the, it's it's easy to be to be caught up in that FOMO uh, mindset. However, looking back, this is going to be a spike, and in a long term run, there will still be opportunities as well. This is not the only lifetime. I think. I mean, it is a good time to get on, but just because you keep missing out, et cetera, et cetera. Um, you know, you, you can't, sometimes you need to step back a little bit to say, okay, well, you know, am I able to afford to compete and put in a bit more in a current market? Um, is it something that I should be prepared to do? Or 
do I sit back and um, try to, you know, try to take us? Don't forget, you know, we always see when something goes too extreme, it's going to come back. It's going to come back at some point. Okay. And usually investors make money when they get in in the right time. Uh, that's to do with timing the market. And this is not the time when you can try to snatch a bargain. So, John, what about uh, any thoughts on the FOMO side of things? Yeah, de- de- definitely. Um, I, I'll, I'm, I'm a little bit of a contrarian on the FOMO thing. I, I'm oh, quite sympathetic it. to people who have FOMO. Like I think that you should in general be an investing contrarian, but if you haven't invested when things were flat and you, you, you got to 2021 and you don't have a property, I think, you know, you invest in the market that you're given and the market that we, that's prevailing at the moment is hot. Um, two days ago I was at a, I was at a, a viewing and I was there with the, the photographer. So the photographer was taking the photos, the tenant was there, and I overheard people chatting and the tenant said, oh, look, I'm going to, I'm, you know, I'd like to buy a property, but I'll um, wait for some of the steam to come out of the market. And the photographer and I kind of looked at each other like, really? You know, that's, <laughs> when's that going to be? Uh, and uh, so so my take on, on the FOMO is that you kind of, there's always a trade-off between um, buying in a, in a less competitive market. So this tenant could wait maybe two or three years to buy in a market where there's there's not 50 people at the open for inspections and it's quite you know a lot less competitive but what would the price be at that time would he be better buying now during the feeding frenzy and paying what is probably going to be a lower price than say three years from now or waiting three years buying at a higher price but buying in a calmer market like oh geez I, I, I actually don't know the answer to that but it's sort of um it's, it's tough to know what to do if, if this is the market that you're given and you need to buy now. But I think the real message comes back to what, what uh, Jazz said, and that was that, you know, don't cut corners. So if you're, um, if, you're, if, if you're suffering from FOMO, you want to get this property, everything's moving so quickly, make sure you run the strata report, make sure you get the building and pest inspection, make sure your lawyer reviews the, uh, the, the contract, don't cut those sorts of things because you'll, you'll regret that. And um, uh, that I think Jazz hit the nail on the head. That that's the bit risk with um, with FOMO. The risk with FOMO isn't necessarily overpaying. The risk is making a, a mistake that you can't get out of. Mm-hmm. Really good point, John. Um, we'll move on to your point then. I was going to say cutting corners, but hang on. Um, so I'd say, <laughs> oh, we're not letting you getting away with that, mate. Yeah, I know, I know. So I think I think, I think the, the, the Jazz's two points are the key points for this yes. market. I think that that's that's more important. So I, I'll come in with a secondary, um, uh, a secondary uh, mistake. One thing I see all the time is that people don't know the market well enough, and when they go into negotiate, they're always negotiating last year's price. So I think you, you just need to, to, to know your market, know your price. And here's the key. I, I'd say don't be too clever when you negotiate because in a hot market where um, there are 10 other buyers, if, you, if you're just being cheeky and irritating and being too clever and all that sort of stuff, uh, coming out with silly offers, they'll just go to the next buyer because you're too much trouble. So I'd say don't, don't, don't be too cheeky, don't be too clever, you know, bid with conviction and, and know your market. Don't 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 sort of have last year's mindset and be you know bidding on this year's property. Yeah, no that that is a that is a good point. Uh, that's for sure. And I think um, you know certainly a lot of people looking at what's happening last year. I mean, even 
now if we look at the past data, like anything over three months old is mm. probably outdated. Yeah. You know, each week as we hit new record highs, which is not a normal market, by the way. <laughs> Typically, we say within the last six months that the, 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 uh, the price range should be a pretty good reflection of what it is currently. But for the last three months or so, you know, the price has really escalated. So therefore, you know, if you look at what's been selling last three months, you go, well, hang on a sec, this is a comparable. It's only sold for one mil last month. But now everybody, you know, the guy's already saying 1.2 or 1.3. You know, and you still try to get in there with one mil. Well, unfortunately, it's it's not. You know, when the price movements, if that's happened, the spurt of growth is what we're seeing right now. You know, in that short amount of time. So um, that is a that is definitely something that a lot of investors are making in the current market. Jess, any thoughts on that? Uh, no, pretty much agree with what both you guys said on, on that one too. Okay, awesome. All right, well, uh, so that's good. I've got a third tip here. Then, um, what should I say? Okay, <laughs> so uh, I would say um, for investors, um, you need to you need to plan yourself on a four to five percent interest rate repayment on a longer run. It's easy at the moment to overlook at that and go right right now. You know the interest rates are record low. I need to get in and look. My cash flow is positive today, but it's positive because the cash rate is at a record low. It's not going to stay as a record low forever. At some point in time, it's going to go back up. We don't know when, but it will happen. Um, on average in the past, I think the average interest rate is about 7% from memory. Um, that's the average interest, uh, interest rate that people are paying. So not saying that it will go back to back up to 7%, but I mean, personally, when I'm planning uh, buying a portfolio and doing my cash flow planning and management, I use around four to five percent on average uh, as my repayment, and see whether uh, my income and my uh, my cash flow is going to get a huge hit with uh, around a four to five percent interest rate repayment. Because if you want to be able to succeed in property, you need to hold the property long term. That's that's typically fundamentally the way. You know, if you are looking at making quick bucks, getting in and getting out quickly. Um, yeah, some people might be able to do that, but chances are uh, your profit's going to get eaten up by the transaction costs. So the real wealth lies in the fact that you keep the property for long-term. To keep the property long-term, you will have to weather the storm of interest rate going up and down. And at the moment, we're already at bottom. So prepare yourself when interest rate does go up. Um, and I would say 4 to 5% is probably a sensitive assessment for yourself to see whether you can actually hold it through that storm. Any thoughts, gents? I have a question. So it's sort of uh, just handballing it straight back to you uh, there, David. Should people be paying off principal? Because uh, the, the classic uh, model is that, you know, your home is on a P&I loan and your investment yeah. properties are on interest only. Um, and you you maybe you do or you maybe you don't ever pay the, the, the investment loans off. But we live in interesting times. Should people be paying paying off some principal? Okay, so there's a few ways um, to, to tackle that, I guess. Um, again, the question is that the answer is depends. <laughs> there's absolutely no, uh, no absolute guidance, yes or no. Comes down to the client's circumstances. If, if the client today is young, you know, like maybe 20, 30 odd years old, uh, build, looking to aggressively build a portfolio, uh, wanting to take out, in, uh, you know, have have a home, small mortgage or something and have um, interest only loans to, for their investment, that would make sense because they can afford to hold out, they still got good working years in, in front of them. And chances are they should be able to afford to extend those interest only terms if they want to, 
down the track. Okay. Um, however, if let's say for example, you know, if you're if you're like forty or something year old, you want to look at building a property portfolio. Chances are, look, you know, your working life might be not as as much as you like to. So, um, is it, it might be time to think about okay, is it worthwhile to start looking at paying down some of the debt by switching some of the IO to PNI to reduce that overall debt risk? That's the way I look at it. Um, the other factor is, I guess, how quickly. Well, everyone wants to retire quickly, but um, if uh, if your income um, is, you know, let's say for example, um, average medium income, if you're on an average Australian medium income, um, then, you know, do you need to consider that you probably should actually pay down some of the debt at the moment to reduce your overall risk, given the interest rate is at a record low? And it's actually quite good, given the fact that a lot of the fixed rate right now, if you fix it at two point something for investment P&I, um, your cash flow might be positive. So in other words, you know, the rental income will be able to cover all outgoing expenses plus the interest mortgages as well. So it comes down to the client's specific circumstances is what I'm trying to say. You know, um, how much retirement life, how much working life they still have, um, how many properties they have, how many properties they're looking to accumulate um, and what is the debt reduction strategy uh, when they're going to exit, how they're going to exit. All these things need to be considered. Jazz, your turn. Um, look I think David's point is right it's the debt reduction strategy at the end of the day uh, at some point we saw that happen a few years ago where banks changed their policies on uh, from interest only if you want to switch sorry if once your interest only period expires uh, to apply for an interest only loan again you have to uh, do a full assessment on the application. Basically, like it's like a new application. So we have seen that in the past. So I think buyers, investors, everyone should really be careful of that, that uh, it's not as easy as it used to be in the past. So at some point, you'll have to pay principal, right? So as long as you keep that in mind, I think it's, it's the important thing, I guess. Yeah, I remember the days when CBA used to be able to can just do an extension page or give them a call and then they'll extend your interest only for another five years. Gone are those days, uh, unfortunately, with regulators now putting a lot more emphasis on the interest only loans. So now it will be a full assessment. So you do need to plan ahead. Um, you know, if you're looking at extending, do you have the capacity to extend? Uh, maybe it's worthwhile a year or two years before uh, the interest only expiry come into fruition sit down with your mortgage broker, plan it out. Okay, well, what do we need to do to be able to look at extending that for another five years just to plan ahead rather than being hit by the IO to P&I cliff is what people say because um, that's going to be an additional, on average, about additional 30% increase in terms of your repayment, 30 to 40% to your monthly repayment. So that could be a big hit on your cash flow um, if not planned well ahead. So right. no right or wrong answers here, mate. Unfortunately, I wish we can give a blanket approach, um, but yeah, it's, uh, it's probably the best we can do. Mm-hmm. John, any, yeah, anything else? John, have you got any thoughts on that? Uh, my only thoughts on that is, uh, look, I'm a big fan of paying off principal, which I think you, you guys are as well. And um, I know it's not always that, you know, I think paying off principal, A, it's growing your equity and your net worth, um, and it's also giving you a chance to refinance down the line mm. into other Reduce your risk that, yep. that lean on your cash flow a little bit less. So I think you know once you once you know people have a grasp on their income in sh- over short periods of time, but over long periods of time, no one knows what their income is going to be. And I think 
in short, over the short term, try to do try to do P and I um, if you can. If you can, yeah. can I can see but, I can see John is definitely on the conservative side. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But it depends on your strategy. You know, people are in, in accumulation stages and all that sort of stuff. But okay. I think you know, p- parking very specific strategies. I think tr- try to pay debt off. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Definitely. Cool. All right. Well, uh, look, I think that's one tip each um, in terms of that. So it's pretty impromptu. I think well done, gents. Um, <laughs> we all we all managed to get through it. Nice one. Anything else? Good one. That's pretty much it, John. Anything else that you want to add? Nothing to add. No, it's, it, it was a bit of a quiet week, which is good, and uh, you know, a bit of a relief for us. Uh, but uh, you know, lot, lots, lots of interesting things happening as always. I look forward to being back next week to discuss it with you guys. Sounds great. All right, for the listeners, uh, hope you guys enjoyed this episode. Play safe, stay safe. We'll see you guys next week, and hope you guys enjoyed your long weekend. Cheers, John, Jazz, David. Bye.